would open your Bibles this morning to, I'm going to say two places, and then you're going to you realize during my message that I've got more than two passages, and, but there's two primary spots, two regions, if you will, that we're going to be in. The first is in the book of, the, book of Psalms, and then the other is in the book of John, the Gospel of John. So open your Bibles uh, to there. I'll be mostly reading out of the NIV, um, and we'll have the words on the screen so you can follow along as we re- read as well. Well, we started last week with a new series, kicked off the new year with a new series called Calibrate, started talking about calibrating our hearts uh, and minds to the Lord and hearing His voice and His word for us in our lives. Um, I can't believe it's 2017. How many of you have written 2016 this week, right, on a check or on a, right, on a form and you have to scratch it out, Right. It takes a few weeks to get, kind of get 2016 out of your system and get into the, the, the rhythm of 2017. Well, one of the things that people do often at the beginning of the year, maybe you do this, I've done this before, is setting goals or, or making resolutions. I resolve this year to, and I don't know whoever even talks like that anymore. Does anyone say, I resolve to, right? No, we don't do that, but we still use the word resolutions. My track record with resolutions is not good. I just, my resolution is don't set resolutions because I'm not going to probably keep them anyway. So I just save time that way. Setting goals and setting resolutions is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Having goals in life and having even goals for this year it is a good thing to do. But I mentioned last week that there's something that's infinitely more important. It's this, hearing and obeying the voice of God. Hearing and obeying the voice or the word of God in our lives. See, because I can come up with ideas all day long for myself, but that doesn't mean that the ideas I'm coming up with or the goals that I'm coming up with actually are the same or in line with the goals that God has for my life. And and, and the truth of the matter is, is He's God and I'm not, And so if my focus is off, and if I'm looking at my needs and what I want, I'm going to miss what he has, and I'm going to get to the end of the year and go, well, something's off. Something's not right. And so hearing and obeying the voice of God is infinitely more important. I would suggest that we set our goals and make our resolutions based on what we hear from the Lord, right? Would you agree with that this morning? Is that important? I hope so. If not, I'm going to try and convince you of that. See, often we, we say things like this, um, what do I want to achieve this year? What do I want to accomplish? And, that's, and it's the wrong question. Really, the question is this, God, what are you calling me to this year? What do you want to do in me and through me? And, uh, and that's a dangerous question to ask because he will take you up on it. He will take you up on it. But here's what I know about God is at the end of the year, you could get to the end of 2017 and recognize the blessing over and over and over again because of walking in obedience to the Lord. We started last week looking at uh, the life of a young man or a young boy named Samuel, and we had Samuel Lambertson actually come running up from the back when I was reading that passage about Samuel hearing the voice of God, and he did an awesome job. About eight years old is how old Samuel was in the Old Testament when he was in the tabernacle. He had been there since he was about three when his mother brought him to be in the service of the Lord, and he starts hearing the voice of God at night, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks, Samuel gets up, and he thinks it's, it's the priest, Eli, that's calling him, so he runs in, and he says, 
yes, Eli, I'm here. You called me. And Eli says, no, I didn't. It happens three times. And finally, Eli realizes it's God, God speaking to him. And, and the reason it took three times is that passage in 1 Samuel says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Not because God had stopped speaking, but because people had stopped listening, right? Eight years old, Samuel starts hearing this voice in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel. And finally, Eli instructs him, and he tells him what to say, and Samuel hears the voice of the Lord, and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In this series, that's kind of the tagline for this series, would be, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because I believe, just like with Samuel, that God is wanting to speak, and that he is speaking. But I feel like we're so distracted in so many parts of our lives that we're not hearing what God has to say. The busyness of life, whether it's our work or our finances or our recreation or our mobile devices or whatever it is. We went out to dinner with some friends of ours last night, and, and the rule was whoever picks up their phone first pays for dinner. And i got to tell you how refreshing it was to sit through. We were there about two and a half hours, and no one picked up their phone. <laughs> it, it was kind of weird. I mean, and, and good. But you realize in how many times during dinner it was so easy to just go, oh, let me look. No. And we would pull our hands back because we, we knew, well, I don't want to pay for dinner. Um, but more than that, we were enjoying the undivided attention we had in relationship. We miss the voice of God because we live busy lives and we stop hearing and, and tuning into his voice. So it's important for us to calibrate our hearts and minds. In fact, the definition of calibrate, as I shared it last week, is this. To calibrate is to adjust precisely for a particular function. To, pre to adjust precisely, I like that word, precisely, for a particular function. You know that God has a particular function for your life. We, we use a different word. We use the word purpose. God has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. But in order for us to achieve and realize that function and that purpose, we have to calibrate our hearts, our minds, our lives, our attention, our finances. As I mentioned earlier, all of this needs to be calibrated and come into alignment and under the covering of God Most High. So what is his purpose for you? Well, I believe he wants to share that with you. I had a lady come to me once. We were pastoring a church in, uh, in, in Alaska, and she came to me, and she was an older lady whose husband, her and her husband, had, who had, had gone to be with the Lord, had pastored a church for years. And this dear lady comes to me, and she goes, Pastor, I just need you to tell me what to do. What's, what's the purpose of my life? And I said, I'm, I, can't, I can't tell you that. That's not for me to say. What I can do is help give you some tools that you can then use to tune in and start hearing the voice of God in your own life. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28, says this, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. Let me pause there for a second. Jesus is teaching and the people are hearing revelation like they've never heard it. The things that Jesus said rocked people's world. 
And, and in this moment where Jesus is teaching, this lady just can't help herself. And she's like, you're awesome. She doesn't know what she said there, but if she was living today, you're awesome. You're amazing. Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you. And Jesus' response is this. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed, rather, are the, those who hear the word of God and obey it. We have to hear the word of God, and we have to do what it says. Can I get an amen there? That's good. He says this also in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out, brought all out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Because they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It's, one of the, it's the difference between sheep and cattle. Cattle are driven. You get behind cattle and you have the dogs and, and all of the tools that you drive cattle and they're skittish and they, they just kind of, kind of get in that herd mentality is where we get that, that term. But sheep are very different. They're, they're not bright. They're not smart animals. But they know the voice of the one who takes care of them, so much so that the shepherd goes out ahead, and then he just calls for the sheep by name. I mean, literally, shepherds do this. This is not something that, that Jesus was making up, and they would have understood this in their context because there were sheep everywhere. In fact, they would go into a community, a town like Bethlehem would have had a common corral area where all of the shepherds would bring all of their sheep and they would just shove them all together in the same corral and they would all just hang out there and then they'd be able to go into the inn, take a night off, get some food, do their shopping, whatever the case would be. And then when they were done, they would come back to the gate, they would open the gate, the gatekeeper would open the gate and, and the shepherd would just start calling his sheep. And out of the midst of the sea of bah, you would see the movement, and his sheep would start making their way to the gate, and only his sheep would come through the gate and follow him. All of the other sheep would stay in the pen. So now Jesus' hearers would have understood this because they were probably close enough to smell the sheep, right? We, it's not in our, we, we don't see that happening, but that's the picture that Jesus is painting here. The sheep are led by hearing and listening to the shepherd's voice. We are sheep. He is our shepherd, and we have to learn to know and follow his voice, to recognize his voice. If not, if we don't, we run the risk of, led, of being led astray. In fact, it goes on to say this. Jesus, well, in fact, Jesus didn't just act on his own. He himself was under authority, and he was obedient to what God told him to do. John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, it says this, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and, and I, that I do nothing on my own, 
but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. That's awesome. Jesus didn't act on his own volition or his own will. He always came back to what is the Father telling me to do? What is he speaking? And I follow his leading. John chapter 12, verse 47 through 50. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. But there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken, I will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. That's, that's pretty cool. I love the fact that Jesus says, hey, I didn't come to judge. I came to save. But there is the Father and one day we will give an account and he will make that judgment. But there's a huge opportunity in between for us to align our life. My, my approach generally when it comes to scripture is this. If it was important for Jesus to do, it's important for me to do. Would you agree with that? That was kind of weak. <laughs> right? We're a Christian church, right? We're Christ followers. Let me say that again. Now you're warmed up, kind of, all right. If it was important for Jesus to do, it's important for me to do. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm reading the Bible and Jesus says, listen, I don't just do what I want to do. I do what the Father tells me to do. Barry says to himself, hey, don't just do what you think you should do. Go to the Father and ask him what you should do. Now, I would love to say that I do that every day without fail. <laughs> it's usually not the case. Usually I'm going back to the Father going... I messed it up again. Um, okay, can you fix this? <laughs> it would have been better if I listed it in the first place, but I didn't. If it's important for Jesus to do, it's probably important for you to do. In fact, as we talk about calibrating, his life provides the perfect template for us. His, his life becomes the standard to which we adjust our lives and calibrate our lives to any instrument that needs to be calibrated, whether it's a musical instrument or, or something used in science uh, or like on an aircraft, which I'm going to talk about in a second, has to be calibrated, but there has to be a standard that it's calibrated to, right? It can't be calibrated to itself. It has to be calibrated to something else. So guitar players have a guitar tuner. Now, some guitar players will get good enough by ear, but they still, they know what they're listening for, and so you're calibrating to something. I'm a, I'm a bit of an aircraft nerd. Um, I love airplanes. I always, I like as long as I can remember, my grandfather uh, served his entire career in the Air Force in South Africa, and uh, he was a photographer, and he was in charge of an enti entire photographic section where they would do like aerial photography. And um, so not only did he work around airplanes, I, I would, when we would go on vacation, I would get to go with him onto the base and actually sit in airplanes and be around him. It was amazing. But because he was a photographer, I had some of the most stunning original photographs of, of uh, Navy, I mean, of Air Force aircraft in flight. 
Um, and he was just always giving me this stuff having to do with airplanes. Just loved it. And I remember the first time I actually got to fly in an airplane, my sister and I flew from Pretoria to, to Cape Town to visit my grandparents, and we flew just the two of us. My first time flying was by myself with my sister. Uh, we were probably about eight years old, and it was, it was awesome. I was hooked. I was like, this is, this is I mean, the whole time, just, and I remember it was actually a Boeing 747, was the first airplane I got to fly on. And the whole time, you're just going, this is incredible. I'm in the air in a huge airplane. And I was hooked. Loved it from that day on. It was incredible that something so big and so heavy and so massive not only could get off the ground and take off and be in the air, but then stay in flight. And then later on in life, as I learned more to realize that over thousands of miles that that pilot could direct that airplane to land on a strip of asphalt, right, that we look at a runway, and it's huge, but when you compare it to the size of a country and even the size of a, a Boeing 747, it's not a lot of margin for error, right? I, want, I would want runways to be like six miles wide, and, but they come in and they direct that plane and they land right on that center line every single time. Check this out. If you were going somewhere and you were off course by one, just one degree, after one foot, you would miss your target by 0.2 inches, about a quarter of an inch. Not a whole lot, right? Not a big deal. But if you go further out, at 100 yard, yards, you would be just over five feet off. After a mile, you'd be off by 92 feet. Traveling from San Francisco to L.A., you'd be off by six miles. And if you're going from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'd end up on the other side of Baltimore, 42.6 miles away. And if you were traveling around the world from Washington, D.C., uh, you'd miss by 435 miles and end up in Boston. Just one degree. Just one degree. Last one. If you were in a rocket going to the moon and you were off by one degree, you'd be 4,169 miles off, nearly twice the diameter of the moon. I imagine the Apollo astronauts were really glad that the calculations were right on, right? Otherwise, you're just launched down into space. Well, let's try again. <laughs> Staying on course is important. It's important to a pilot. It's important to you as a passenger. But I imagine when you get on a plane to fly somewhere, you're not wondering, well, I hope we stay on course today, right? There's a level of trust that you have. Because I'm an airplane nerd, and because I used to, when I was younger, I had air, air, airplane simulators on my computer, and I had the joystick. I was, I was like legitimately an air, airplane nerd, and I would, yeah, it was fun. And I want to show you a picture. This is what I would look at on my computer screen. This is very similar to what a pilot would have in front of them. These are six of the primary instruments that a pilot would use in directing an aircraft. Now, there are a myriad of others. If you've ever looked at a, a commercial airline cockpit, you know that there are like a bazillion knobs and switches and dials and screens, and how do you know where to look? But I tell you what, at the end of the day, the pilot, their primary focus is going to be these six indicators, these six dials. I'm going to tell you what they are, and you're going to get a little aviation education today, all right? The first one up on the top left, that's your airspeed indicator in your car that would be your speedometer. 
tells you how fast you're going, right? Uh, 160 knots, that's fast. But the planes go even faster than that. The next one is the attitude indicator, also called the artificial horizon. It's the one where it's kind of, you see the brown is kind of the, the, the horizon, and you can tell that this aircraft is, is turning. It's in a turn. The altimeter is the one on the top right. That determines the altitude, tells you at what altitude you're at. Down on the left is your turn indicator or your turn coordinator, and it tells you how, how much your aircraft is pitching to one side or to the other. The one in uh, the middle there on the bottom is your heading indicator, which is similar to a compass, but instead of just being a compass, it actually uses a gyroscope, and it's a really sensitive piece of equipment. And then on the far right there on the bottom is the vertical in speed indicator, which tells the pilot how fast the plane is climbing or descending. Okay, So these are the six primary instruments. Four of them, you'll notice, the airspeed indicator, uh, the artificial horizon in the middle, the ult ult altimeter, and then the heading indicator on the bottom all have adjustment knobs. They all have a little knob right next to them that's used to calibrate the instrument. I want to talk to you about the altimeter. I could talk to you about all of these because I think they're just cool, but we're going to talk about the altimeter. The altimeter tells the aircraft how high up in the air it is. You ever thought about what, what, to, what, what they use to determine that? Uh, you may think like, well, modern times they use GPS and satellites, and, and it's one of the instruments that they do use and they're, they're, that is available, but do you know that satellites can be off by as much as 400 feet in the readings that they give? I tell you what, when you're on final approach to LAX, 400 feet is a big deal, right? That's a big deal. The altimeter uses atmospheric pressure. Uses atmospheric pressure. Have you ever looked in the airplane, right on the side of the cockpit, there's usually a little, little tube that's sticking out, and it's a little hole in it. Well, that little, that little tube measures the air pressure uh, outside of the airplane. And at sea level, there's, there's what they call MSL, mean, um, uh, mean sea level, which, and at mean sea level, there's an, there's an average air pressure that exists. But it's not constant because weather changes. You ever watch the news report? They talk about a high pressure or a low pressure front that's moving in, right? It's why we have a barometer that can tell us what the change in the weather is. If the pressure goes up, it's usually going to be nice and dry. If it goes down, it creates a trough in them. Moisture comes, I'm also a weather nerd. Um, <laughs> and so what the airplane does and what this instrument does, it measures the air pressure, the, air, the, the atmospheric pressure, and then it tr translates it into data that shows up uh, on that top right instrument on the altimeter and translate it, it translates it into altitude because the pressure, that, 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 that atmospheric pressure remains constant as you go through different altitudes. Okay, so it'll adjust as you get higher and higher, and they can gauge what altitude that they're at. But here's why the adjustment is important. If I take off in New York, and there's a high-pressure front that's moved into New York, my altimeter is going to be set for that airport in New York, for Dulles. If I'm flying to LAX, and there's a low-pressure front like we've been having because there's lots of rain the pressure is going to be different. Even though both are at sea level, the pressure is different. And so, like when I will go out to In-N-Out sometimes at LAX and I'll sit with my phone because I have an app where I can tune into the tower and actually listen to the air traffic controllers, 
You think I'm joking. Um, I'm serious about this. I'll do that to relax sometimes. I'll just listen to the tower. It's weird. Um, and so you start, and you listen, and they talk fast, but you start learning the lingo and what they'll say. You know, it'll say United 183 Heavy coming in final approach to LAX Tower, blah, blah, blah. And the tower will say well, United 183, you know, proof approach, set altimeter 2, and they'll give them a number. That number is important. That number saves your life. And what the pilot will do is relay that back and say altimeter set to blah, blah, blah. And then they will turn that dial and you'll see, well, you can't really see it, but there's a small number, and as they turn that dial, that, that, that number will change, and they will set the atmospheric pressure and the sensitivity of the gauge. They will calibrate it so that it sets what the level of sea level is in L.A. versus what it was in Washington, D.C. What does that do? It prevents you from crashing into the ocean because you get an accurate read. How many of you think, are thankful for altimeters today? Right? Variations, slight variations in these settings can lead to disaster. The slightest variations, and you can go online, there's stories of air, airliners that have crashed because the altimeters were not working properly or because of pilot error and causes a plane to land hundreds of feet short of the runway because they thought they were at a different altitude than they really were. I want to touch on two points two practical points of calibration for us this morning. These are them, prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. And I got to tell you, as I was preparing for this morning, I thought, ah, another message about prayer and worship. Do we really need to talk about prayer and worship? Like, we're a church, right? We get it. We, you got to pray, you got to worship. All right, let's move on. But here's the thing, calibration is a constant, and if prayer and worship are two of the primary points of calibration in our lives and aligning our lives with the Lord, I think we can't really talk about it enough. In fact, they say a pilot, now a lot of these big airliners, a lot of this stuff happens by computer and it's adjusted, but the pilots are always rechecking and checking and checking again. And they say that a pilot will check the altimeter and check the pressure every 15 minutes during a flight. Every 15 minutes, they're going back and saying, now you think, wow, you're way up, you're 36,000 feet up in the air, or 20,000 feet up in the air. Is that a big deal? If you're flying over the Alps, yes, right? If you're flying over Mongolia and, and, and K2 or, or you know, uh, Mount Everest is in the way, yeah, that's a big deal. And so you want to adjust. So every 15 minutes, they're adjusting. Prayer and worship become calibration processes and practices in our lives that should be daily constants as we calibrate our hearts, not just at the beginning of the year, but throughout the year. So prayer. Prayer. Prayer is this. Prayer is tuning in. It's tuning in. For the pilot... The pilot has to tune into the correct frequency for the air traffic control. If they're on final approach into, uh, into LAX, they would have been handed off from uh, uh, the regional control center, which oversees at a certain altitude for a certain region, and then they'll say, hey, we're on this approach, and that controller will say, okay, contact ground or contact uh, the, the LAX tower at this frequency, and then the pilot reads that back. Do we have any pilots in the house, by the way? Any, any pilots here today? All right, good. So you can just believe everything I say. Um, 
<laughs> and that, that traffic controller will say the frequency, the pilot will read it back, and then they will adjust their radio, and then they will call into the tower and say, this is this aircraft we're coming in. They have to tune in to that frequency in order to get permission to land so they don't fly into any other airplanes, and for them to get the altimeter reading so they can set the correct setting and land on the runway. Here's what it looked like for Jesus. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Good stuff. Jesus was doing good stuff. But listen to this. But often, Jesus, uh, but, uh, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. News spread about him. Why? Because Jesus was amazing. That same lady was crying out, blessed are you. Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you. Your neighbor is blessed, right? Jesus' reputation was spreading and people were hearing about him and more and more people were coming and, and they were getting, and there were crowds of people that came to hear him teach because they'd never heard anyone teach like this before and, and they were bringing the sick and they were, were being healed of their diseases and it was awesome. It was amazing. And Jesus was busy. Would we agree with that? He was busy. He had a lot going on. And, and you could even argue this. Well, people needed him. They genuinely needed him because no one else had ever done what he was doing. And we, we, we need Jesus, right? We can relate to that. They needed him. I need to be with Jesus. And they would follow him around. And, and by the way, wasn't this what he came to do? This, this was his purpose. He had been waiting 30 years. To get started, I mean, kind of 12 years old in the temple, he kind of got going and then he had to scale back a little bit and say, okay, it's not time yet. 30 years old and his ministry starts. This is what he came to do. You've got limited time. Come on, Jesus, get after it. Go, go minister to those people. But even in the midst of that, he stopped and he withdrew to lonely places to pray. He got away from the busyness. He got away from the distraction. He got away from the people that needed him. He got away from things that were even good things so that he could be alone with the Father and calibrate his heart. Why? Because Jesus, we just read, said this, I only say what the Father tells me to say, and I only do what the Father tells me to do. And I'm so thankful that Jesus sets for us the model and the example where he says, don't think for a second that you know what comes next, what that next step looks like, what that next plan needs to be. See, because the slightest variation in the calibration of our hearts and minds, church, listen to me, can lead to disaster in our lives. If we're not tuned to the voice of God in our lives and we're not constantly coming back to him saying, God, what are you speaking? I need to know. I need to hear. Lord, am I tuned in? Right? One of the things that drives me crazy in the car is if the radio is tuned to a station, but we're not getting it, and so there's a lot of, like, <sighs> I'm like, turn it off or turn to something else, because I can't handle that. We need to be at a place, if the, the voice of God becomes fuzzy in our lives, we need to make the adjustment and not go, well, it's good enough. That'll, that'll do. That's okay. No, we need, to cal we need to calibrate. Why? Because God doesn't change. 
God doesn't calibrate to you. Let me just let that hang out there. God has never, nor will he ever, calibrate himself to you. What he says is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Calibrate to me. I am the standard, and you will be blessed if you do. Here's what I know. Your life is busy. My life is busy. And that's one of my least favorite words to use. Uh, I like what uh, Pete Scazzaro says. Your life is limited. My life is limited. I have so many hours in the day, so many days in the week, so many weeks in the year. And when you can only squeeze so much in, right? There's a lot going on in our lives. There's a lot going on in the world. We have a lot to think about, right? Anyone have a lot to think about? Ever, you ever feel like, I just can't, I can't tune it out. I can't shut it off. I wake up thinking about things. I go to sleep thinking about things. There's a lot going on. And, and listen, it's not all bad. It's a lot of good things too. We have good things going on in our lives. The problem is this, is we can get so busy that we forget to withdraw to quiet places and pray. If it was good enough for Jesus to do, if it was important for him, it's important for us. We need to withdraw. We need to quiet our lives, and we need to tune in to the voice of God daily, even multiple times, multiple times a day. Remember, the pilot adjusts the altimeter every 15 minutes. What would, your, what would your life look like at the end of 2017 if throughout your day you had a timer that every 15 minutes, you just stopped every 15 minutes and say, Lord, would you just reset my heart? Would you just speak? Just simple, like that. I, I would guarantee that by the end of this year, your mind would be blown about the way that God would move in your life. Just by that simple act. We learned a few months ago in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality about the daily office, taking times throughout the day to stop, close the door, maybe go for a walk. For some people, it's being in nature. Some people just need to be dis distraction-free. Some people literally will get into their closet and close the door, and it'll be dark, right? What does that look like for you? The daily office, stopping at, at, at determined times and, and really set times during the day. Set by me? No. Set by you. What works for you? What works for you? When's a good time to just stop, withdraw five minutes, ten minutes? Say, Lord, I just need to spend time in your presence and hear your voice. God, would you speak to me right now? The promise is, is that he will. But check this out. There's more. You have the freedom in prayer to actually ask. It's not just about you listening. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says this. Ask, and it may be given to you. All right, no. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I like those two words, will and everyone. <laughs> Ask and it will be given to you. Okay. Ask and it will be given to you. That's good. I'm not asking my neighbor. I got a good neighbor, right? 
but I'm going to the source, to the one who I calibrate my life to because I need, he knows what's best. And so I go to him and I say, Lord, there's a point of need in my life. I'm asking. Lord, I'm seeking wisdom in this part of my life. God, I'm, I'm faced with a choice in my work. And, and I, I have to choose if I'm going to take this promotion or if I'm going to take this new job with a different company. Well, I'm going to make a pro-con list. Not a bad idea. After you've gone to God and said, God, what's the right thing for me to do? Would you speak to me when we have people go on missions trips? We have a, a team uh, going to Kenya in June, in fact, we have a team meeting tonight for those of you who are part of the Kenya team. And, and by the way, there's still time. If you want to go to Kenya with us in June, we still have room on that, that, that trip. You've maybe seen it in the bulletin. There's space on that team. If you'd like to know more, talk to me afterwards. One of the things I ask team, team members who sign up to be a part of a missions team is this. Have you heard from God? See, because a good reason to go on a missions trip is not this. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Kenya. <laughs> not a good, not, then take a vacation, go on safari, right? Or my friend's going, not a good reason to go. Have you heard the voice of the Lord? Here, here's why I ask that question. See, because when I'm fundraising and it seems like the funds aren't coming fast enough and I start freaking out and going, maybe I didn't hear wrong, I can, I can sit with a team member and go back and say, did you hear the voice of the Lord? Yes, I did. Then you don't have to worry about the money because he said, ask and it will be given to you. Now, the timing, right? The timing doesn't always line up with our timing, but he says it will be given. And if he said yes, then he will provide for what he said yes to. And so hearing the voice of God is critical. It gives us place to, as Hebrews says, come boldly before the throne of, of grace, to ask, to seek, to knock. But wait, there's more. Call now. No. <laughs> Psalm 18, verse 6 says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My, my cry came before him. Love this. Into his ears. So there's times where I'm just going through my day, and Lord, I just need to calibrate my heart. There's times where I'm seeking specific direction for something or there's a specific need. And then there's those moments where you're like, help! A pilot would say, mayday, mayday, mayday! And he's available. He's available. You can call out to God in his distress and your words will be in his ears. He will hear you, and the word of God says that he will come to your aid. He will come to your assistance. He will always respond to your cry. Prayer is essential. See, because here's the thing. If I'm not on the same frequency as the air traffic control uh, tower is, when I cry out mayday, it's going to go out into thin air, and I'm not going to get the help that I need. But when I'm tuned and I'm calibrated and I'm crying out to God, my my prayer goes into his ears. My prayer goes into his ear. Let's talk about worship. The prayer is tuning in, but, but worship determines and helps your attitude. It, it helps mine. 
when we talk about living a lifestyle of worship, but I want to touch on specifically singing songs, singing songs of praise. And we, we recognize that worship is how I live and I worship with every part of who I am, but I want to speak specifically about singing songs to the Lord. We sang praise songs this morning, and we, there were words and lyrics up on that screen that, that you know, and we were singing with our mouths that were declaring the truth of who God is. And glorifying, we use the word magnifying. We were making him bigger, right? We were drawing closer, and the magnificence of who he is just got bigger right in our face. Like, oh, he's, he's right here. It's amazing. If you've ever been in a place where there's no light pollution, and you look up into the sky, and you see the stars, and it's like they're just right there. They're magnified. Are they any closer? No, they're not. But your awareness is increased, and, and it's magnified. For the pilot, the attitude indicator or that artificial horizon uh, is a key piece of equipment, a key instrument. Listen to this. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. So what's your attitude? Your attitude is your position relative to the earth. So an airplane uh, moves on an axis, and it can pitch and roll and yaw and, told you, airplane nerd. It does all of this. Well, it's important for a pilot to know if this is the ground and this is my aircraft, how is my plane flying in relation to the ground below me? Am I, am I nose down? Am I nose up? Am I banking to the left or to the right? Am I flying kind of sideways? You ever seen a plane in a, in a windy situation? Trying, you ever been on a plane in a windstorm? And you, you're like, you're sitting in the, in the window seat, but you're looking down the runway going, this isn't normal, right? You guys that fly a lot, you know where, you've been there, right? And you kind of land sideways and the plane bounces. And you're like, that's just not, let's not do that again. That's not fun. <laughs> Your attitude indicator on, for a pilot tells him and gives him feedback to uh, where that plane is relative to the earth below it. And you could say this, well, can't you just look out the window? Well, when you were flying a single-seater open cockpit airplane that went 60 miles an hour, sure, right? When you're flying a Boeing 747 at 700 miles an hour at 36,000 feet, doesn't work. And part of what happens is that pilots will end up being disoriented or, or getting vertigo. And they will literally start thinking that up is down. When you're up above the clouds and you can't tell where, which way is up. And you would think, well, you'd be hanging from your seatbelt. But, but you, pilots have crashed planes because they couldn't tell, am I going up or down or am I sideways, you know, in a whiteout condition or flying through a storm. Because they get vertigo. And so they rely on these instruments to tell them, hey, you need to pull your nose up. You need to get the nose of the plane up above the horizon. You need to apply some power so you can start climbing out of this. And you need to adjust your attitude. Why? Because your attitude determines your altitude. Worship restores our orientation. It restores for us. It reminds us, because we can get into what pilots call a flat spin. Any Top Gun fans in the house, right? Huh. That moment when they're in that flat spin and we can't get out of this. We get into a flat spin and we lose our orientation and we start freaking out a little bit or a lot. And one of the best ways, the easiest ways, after we maybe cry out, help, 
is to start singing praise. Because I don't really have to think hard. When I start singing a worship song, it'll just be right there for me. If it's committed to memory, maybe you've got a... Anyone have any favorite worship songs that you just... They're like your go-tos? Like, you know, when things aren't... You, you just know that's the song. There's a lot of songs from my childhood are the ones that kind of come out of me in those moments because they're just so ingrained. Here's what worship does. It reminds me of who God is and it reminds me of who I am not. It reminds me of who God is and it reminds me of who I am not. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I will bless the Lord three times a day. No. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because when I'm worshiping and I'm praising God, my attitude stays right where it needs to be. I know I've, been, I've become a really irritable driver. I have. I like there's something that literally this is something God is working on me about. But I get on the freeway and I, Pastor Barry goes out the window. And uh, <laughs> my wife helps remind me of that. But I, I've just like my patience level for people on the freeway has just gotten really, really low. And um and I've been thinking, like, well, what do I need to do? Well, I know one of the things I can easily do is turn on worship in the car. Because my attitude isn't that great. So Lord, I need to do something that's going to adjust my attitude so that I can climb out from above this funk that I have on the 210 and start seeing more clearly and remembering, hey, Jesus loves that person. God has a plan for that person that just cut me off. Just a plan. No, a good plan. Plan to prosper them. <laughs> See, it just slips. It just slips, right? Cry out to God. Mayday, mayday. Um, I will bless the Lord at all times. Because when I'm praising God, I can't be thinking about me. Let me say that again. When I'm praising God with my lips are moving and I'm speaking his praise in song, it makes it really difficult for me to think about me. And my attitude improves. And as my attitude improves, my altitude improves. My desire for each of you this year is that as you press into prayer and as you press into worship, that you will begin to hear the voice of God in a way that you've never heard him before, with more clarity, with more frequency, with more determination, and that you will begin making the adjustments you need to make to fly on course so that you can go from January 1st to December 31st and not be miles away from where you think you should be. And that's what happens so often in our lives as I bring this to a close, as I land this plane, um, <laughs> is we take off at the beginning of the year going, I, I see this happening in my life, and we get to December 31st, and we take stock and go, I thought I was going to be there. Why am I here? And what we have to do is go back before we set new resolutions and new goals. Well, next year, 
If I'm already off course and I don't calibrate my life and hear the voice of the Lord and I start making goals for the next year, guess what? I'm going to be even further off course. So I have to come back to a place where I stop and go, what happened? Lord, would you reveal to me what things, what decisions I started making that were outside of your will for my life, outside of your purpose for my life, and help me align and calibrate those things and get back to where I need to be? which means that you might have to make some hard decisions. You may have to remove some things from your life or add some things to your life. But they say the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. Yet, so many of our years just look like the year that I just had. That we would come and say, Lord, would you calibrate my heart? Last week, I passed out those Calibrate cards. I think we have a, a handful left. But here's what I want to ask you to do over, over this next week, and, and, and we'll conclude this series as a short series. Next week, we're going to talk about calibrating our hearts it, to the Word of God. But would you take time this week to, to really start writing down the things that God would start revealing to you as you seek Him in prayer and worship about what he's calling you to do, what he's asking you to do, the correction that he wants you to make, the course correction that he wants you to make in your life. Write it down. Don't just think about it. I can have a thought in two minutes. It can be a good thought. And two minutes later, I'm going, what was I just thinking about? Write it down so that you can, you can keep track of those things and keep bringing them before the Lord. And let's watch what God can do in our lives. Let's stand together. As we close, I invite the worship team to get ready to come up. Father, this morning, I am so thankful, and we as a congregation are thankful that we don't have air traffic controllers. We have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you are welcome here. You're welcome to direct this church. You're welcome to direct our lives. I want to encourage and invite anyone this morning who maybe you've never tuned in. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to him as we sang about earlier. Maybe, maybe you're listening to this message this morning and you're going, I don't know what that voice sounds like but I'd like to. Well, tuning in for the first time simply means saying yes to Jesus. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be saved. And so it's simply this, that Jesus has extended an invitation to you for you to say yes to him. If you've never done that, if you've never said yes to Jesus, surrendered your life and committed your life to him, and this morning you'd say, Pastor Barry, I want that for my life. Without anyone looking around, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Um, would you raise your hand? I want to agree with you. I'm, I'm looking around. I just want to be able to agree with you this morning, if that's you, and celebrate with you. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand as a sign of surrender before the Lord and commitment to say yes to him? Anyone this morning? I don't want to... Thank you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else this morning says, yes, I want to I wanna tune in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. See that hand. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, 
Praise the Lord. Three hands that have gone up this morning, people saying yes to Jesus for the first time, saying, yes, Lord, I've, I'm deciding, I'm choosing to tune in to follow you. Anyone else today? Would you three, along with the rest of us, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you pray it? Mean it in your heart. Believe it in your heart. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but, but the words are powerful. Father God, I submit my life to you. Jesus, become the Lord of my life. Please save me from my sin. Cause me to walk in a new path. I repent and turn from my old ways. And I choose today to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask this question. You get the sense this morning that some of our altimeters are off. Maybe some of your gauges and your equipment are not where they're supposed to be. Now, I want to, I want to ask for a response this morning because I think it's important for us to take a step of faith in that way. This time with our heads up and our eyes open because there's boldness there that, that needs, that, that's important for us, crying out in that way and, and saying that. But if you're committing this year and if this message this morning and the word of God this morning is striking a chord in you and you're realizing, I've got some adjustments I need to make, would you just simply raise your hand? All around this room, people saying, yes, I need to make some adjustments. So Father, I thank you for every person who right now is crying out to you, who's saying, yes, Lord, tinker, mess with my life. Play with those adjustment knobs and get me back to where I need to be. And I pray, Lord, that for every hand that is raised, that it, at the end of this year, there wouldn't be just a testimony. There would be multiple testimonies of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your kindness, of your love. I pray for restoration, Lord. I pray for healing. Lord, I pray for financial provision, Father God. I pray for favor in the workplace, favor in the community, Lord. I pray, Lord, that students... Lord, would engage with their studies in a new way with a fresh mind and fresh thinking, Father God. I pray for those who lack direction and don't know where they're going, God, that you would start speaking to them clearly about what you have for them. Lord, that Jeremiah 29, 11 would be their marching cry this year. I know the plans I, you have for me, declares the Lord. God, we trust that you are going to do amazing things. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor that is due your holy name. Amen. We're going to close with a worship song. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's applaud the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to close with a worship song. We're going to worship together. Our ushers are going to come to receive the tithes and offering and your connect card if you filled one of those out. Jacques, would you lead us?